Hi, this is Smriti Kirmanandan, your host for Health Forward Podcast. One of the most important things you can do for yourself is to take care of your health. Your road to discovering an all-inclusive, empathetic, and innovative healthcare ecosystem starts right now. 3.6 million Americans miss doctor appointments due to a lack of reliable transportation. No-show rates are as high as 30% nationwide. Meeting patients where they are to reduce healthcare costs, improve preventive care, and reduce workforce burden has been possible with Uber Health. In this episode, I'm in conversation with Caitlin Donovan, who serves as the global head for Uber Health. Caitlin, welcome to Health Forward. Such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. Awesome. So Caitlin, share with us what has inspired you to be in the field of healthcare. You know, I think so many of us get into healthcare for the same reasons where we spend more time at our jobs than anywhere else. And I can't imagine having to leave my family every day, spend time doing something else if it wasn't to help others. You know, the specific areas of healthcare that I've been involved in have really focused on how do you meet people where they are? How do you serve the most vulnerable? Um, And Kimberly, how do you change the system? Which means that not only are you helping people, you're solving a really interesting problem at the same time. And that sort of meets all of my personal needs, interesting problems with a great result. No, I love that answer, especially when you said, if you're leaving your family and your loved ones, it better be for a higher purpose, which is, you know, (laughs) which is what exactly you're doing. I love that. So Uber has displayed an excellent business model that transformed how we use transportation daily. What are some of the exciting factors you've experienced thus far? You know, I I couldn't agree more. And I think that's one of the reasons that I joined Uber Health. I think one of the most interesting things in the healthcare industry is thinking about how do you take what already exists, apply it in an ecosystem that because of all the candidly very necessary regulations can be slower to change to really drive the right results for an individual patient, a local community and a population as a whole. And I think that's that's what Uber and Uber Health have been able to do. When you think about Uber, you know, they they really took the thought of convenience to the next level. How do you find a way to get from where you are to where you need to go to bring something to you using an app on your phone? That's that's convenience at its height. And we've been applying the same thing to healthcare. How do you make it so that a patient who may have even more needs than your average consumer can get where they need to go, can have something to deliver to them without having to request it on their own by fitting into the reimbursement structure, et cetera. And I think that the way that we've approached this from Uber Health standpoint is starting with Uber's core competencies of that convenience marketplace, availability of our independent drivers and couriers that can take things to people, take people places, but then layering on the fundamental basics you need to operate within the healthcare ecosystem to sort of bring that system along. How do you, how do you pay a claim? How do you use a flexible spending card? 
How do you file a benefit to make sure that this is available for all? And marrying those two things is is what produces real change. A brilliant answer. One I really loved about your answer was that, you know, innovation, a lot of people think we have to create that from scratch. But Uber is a perfect example of really how to take what's existent and then repurposing and elevating that for a different industry and for different purpose. So I think Uber Health and where you're at is just, you know, just amazing to see the impact you all are having. So thank you for all you do. 3.6 million Americans miss doctor appointments due to the lack of reliable transportation. No-show rates are as high as 30% nationwide. Share with us the current impact and strategies in play for the upcoming year. You know, I think you you hit the nail on the head with what the problem is. So to me, the question then is, how do you address that at scale? I think you can think for the individual patient, how do you personally get there by giving access to, to rides to your doctor's appointments? You can think about it at the community level. How do you have providers identify their patients who are likely to no-show and solve that gap for them? And you can think about it at the system level. How do you make sure that there's a benefit that's reimbursed that structurally offers this service to patients to make sure they get where they need to go. And what's really interesting is some of the results that we've we've produced at Uber Health not only affect those individuals and communities, but identify some of the structural gaps in the system that I think are necessary to address to ensure that our solution is universal versus paid for grant by grant. Let me explain a little bit more what I mean here, where one of the things Uber Health did over the past several years is look at a maternal health population in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. has one of the worst maternal health outcomes in the country. And so we knew that that was a place that we really needed to start to try and address some of those inequities in the system. What we did is we embedded Uber Health at two federally qualified health centers, and the results were pretty outstanding. What we found is even though by definition, the patients that we were serving had access to a transportation benefit, these were Medicaid beneficiaries, transportation has been a covered benefit since 1966, they weren't using that benefit because it was too hard to access. So when we embedded Uber Health at their provider, who they trusted, who knew their care plan, who knew them really well, we found that 44% needed Uber Health to get to their appointments. And of those who used it, 76% used it for all of their appointments. To me, that speaks to thinking about not just solving for the individual or offering the benefit, but thinking through how you administer the benefit can produce different outcomes. And the ultimate outcome there is, you know, patients went to an extra half a appointment in the series of care, which when the episode of care is fewer than 10 appointments is pretty material. What that means about what we're doing is, yes, our platform allows patients to get to their provider's office. Yes, it allows providers to solve for those patients who are frequent no-shows. But where we're spending most of our time is advising health plans on how to think about structuring their benefit, administering their benefit, involving the provider who can identify those most vulnerable patients and intervene in their care to align incentives across the board. So it's really interesting. So expand on this a little bit more. It sounds like you're really much more intentional and doing a lot of groundwork and understanding where the problem lies and which demographic. And Uber Health is not just deployed 
at any any zip code location. Is that accurate? You know, we're we certainly are available nationwide and actually actually globally for any provider to use. You know, we're a software platform that allows providers, call centers, care coordinators, social workers to request rides and deliveries on behalf of their patients. Our team has been not just taking that as what success looks like, but thinking about where we've had success, why we've had that success, and then advising the reimbursers because they really have control over the ecosystem to think through, you know, what steps need to be in place to drive the right behavior structurally, as opposed to just community by community, patient by patient. That's brilliant that you're also integrating the providers and every other player in the ecosystem to make this happen. So Caitlin, you are addressing home healthcare, bridging the gaps in transportation and delivering medication faster. Do you see some challenges when managing care outside a clinical setting? I do. I think it's really challenging logistically. My background, actually, my very first job in healthcare focused on home care. I was a vice president of operations at CareCentrics. We had a whole home healthcare, durable medical equipment, home infusion, et cetera, network, and would take a 90-day episode of risk on patients. And what I learned there is it's really challenging to deliver care in the home, but candidly, that's where patients want to be to to heal and age at home. And so that's a large part of why I think Uber Health is going to become increasingly necessary as care migrates from inpatient clinical settings to outpatient ones. You have to think not just about what is happening in the four walls of the office, but what's happening every single day. To use a really concrete example from when I was at CareCentrics and how Uber Health would intervene, what we found when a patient had been discharged from the hospital to the home is the drivers of outcomes were all logistics-based. Did your nurse show up? Did you have a ride back to your follow-up appointment? Did your prescription show up? Did your durable medical equipment show up? And did you have food in the house? So where Uber's playing in that space is we're often used by home health agencies to make sure they know when nurses have arrived at homes. You know, we can deliver prescriptions. We can deliver food. We regularly pre-plan for patients not only to have a ride discharged from the hospital, but pre-request that ride back to their follow-up appointment. I think planning not only for the clinical plan of care, but also the logistics of how you're going to know when a patient hasn't taken that next best action are increasingly important as more and more is care delivered, more and more care is delivered in the home. As we are expanding what you know care and healthcare now looks like, we're going beyond the clinical setting. And so data privacy and security plays a critical role in this. How are you practicing good cybersecurity hygiene? I think it's table stakes. You know, you can't. <laughs> I, mean, I know that's that's sort of a blunt answer, but but you, you can't you can't participate in healthcare unless you have a HIPAA secure platform. You know, best in class cybersecurity protocols, all of which Uber and Uber Health have. And is there anything specifically that you focused on in terms of managing patients' data at home, or is that just a general strategic standpoint? I think general structural standpoint where, you know, it it is table stakes that having the right security, a HIPAA secure platform really, really matters, both in terms of how you store data, how you use data and who has access to data. Makes sense. So Caitlin, meeting patients where they are is preventive and perhaps the most reactive, you know, in some cases. 
Are you moving into the Uberization of wellness as well, which means delivering healthy foods, nutritionists, therapists? Where do you think you're going to be standing there in that space? You know, what I've observed is so, and I think all the stats show this as well, is that so much of our healthcare and our and our health outcomes is more dependent on how we live our lives, what we eat, can we get where we need to go? Do we have stable housing? Are we educated to be able to advocate for ourselves and our care? And then the actual clinical plan we follow. What I've observed is the the way that health plans, reimbursers, even providers plan for those things is divorced from the clinical plan of care. And that's really, really hard to be able to have a comprehensive plan for patients if you if you structure their care that way. So we're really focused on how do you make it much easier for patients to access their care, for providers to access care on behalf of their patients, and for health plans to think through their benefit design that incorporates those non-clinical needs into their overall strategy. Practically, from an Uber health standpoint, we are really focused, just as you assumed, on transportation, prescription delivery, food delivery, and over-the-counter medication delivery, because we find that those are the things that, one, logistics play a very key role in, and two, are, are drivers of care. And three are well reimbursed by plans, but typically have administrative hurdles to accessing them that makes it really difficult for providers to prescribe a whole plan of care. Mm. You know, the way that we think about this is how do you make it easier for patients to access requests on their own? And how do you use our Uber Health software to make it that a provider doesn't have to give a patient homework and give them? you know, literally four different numbers to call to try and get their transportation, get their prescription, get their food, get their OTC, but can request on their behalf. Right. Now that, that makes complete sense. And, you know, that brings to my next question is, I believe we are bridging the gaps between digital and healthcare inequities through Uber Health. Some of the underlying root causes is, of course, lack of economic empowerment. What are your reflections on that? I, I could not agree more. And I think this comes back to what we talked about at the top of the call, which is, you know, understand who you're building for and who you're solving for, right? So don't just say there's an app for that when someone might not want to use their data plan, might not have the financial means to have a credit card to sign up for that app. And so thinking through how to involve every facet of the population that you're trying to solve for, I think is critically important. Practically speaking, what that means from our approach is you don't need the Uber app to use Uber Health. We make sure that providers can request on behalf of their patients. Call centers can request on behalf of patients who call in. And patients don't need to use the data plan, download an app, have a credit card to use our services. We can connect with them via text message or landline phone call. It also means meeting patients where they are in terms of in terms of their language. We're in 22 different languages and dialects, which is really, really important given the populations that have the most inequities and have the most need. And then finally, we're really focused on how do you target populations that may may not know, want to, or can't advocate for themselves by incorporating 
whether it's the social worker, case manager, provider, community worker that knows them best to empower folks to request things on behalf of patients and address needs at a community level as well as an individual patient level. Now, I love that within the complex ecosystem, from Uber Health's perspective, you're really trying to address every space and every angle of the issue and to really make patients feel empowered. I think that's brilliant. So thank you for all you do. I see Uber helicopters and auto rickshaws in other countries, such as the UK and India. Do you have any visions of leveraging these to implement the same or use them for emergency medicine in the future? I think that's a great question. I'm a big fan of using (laughs) any of Uber's core competencies in a way that addresses healthcare. That said, practically speaking, I want to make sure that anything we launch is national within the country we're launching it in, addresses the real needs of a population, and is practical versus, versus sort of expensive for show. So would certainly need a test before you'd see anything from that. And I think what you said at the top of the call very much articulates my philosophy, which is sometimes the best innovations are the most boring ones, especially in healthcare. So, you know, from my standpoint, nailing how do we hit the basic needs we, we need to be able to sell to a health plan, accepting an eligibility file, you know, paying a claim, things like that are the basics. How do we nail that combination of services where there's an overlap in need, transportation, prescriptions, food, OTC? And then how do we do the really boring stuff that matters, connect those eligibility files together so providers know how to tap into what's available and reimbursed by the payer? I think that produces a, a pretty nice result from for a section of benefits that are sort of by definition, everyone's second priority. You know, Caitlin, working in healthcare and tech as, as you are, my biggest fear is, you know, the speed of where we are innovating and creating these technologies can sometimes disconnect us from the human touch. Do you share that same fear or do you have other fears? I think that's well put. I, I worry about so many point solutions that the creators forget about the patient experience and especially a complex chronic patient experience because that's where the largest need is. So we spend a lot of time thinking not just about what is the patient's experience, but what is the provider's experience and what is the health plan experience? So it's not just what does the app look like? What does the benefit look like? But how do you administer it in a really effective way? To, to give a concrete example there about forgetting what it's like for a patient, we had a customer that was a care coordination customer. They were on a value-based care contract with their health plan. So you'd think that they were incentivized to do the right thing for the patient and take the right action, both financially and because it's it's the right thing to do. And what we found is the incentives didn't exactly line up that way because of the way a specific benefit was administered. Very practically speaking, this patient was a dual eligible member, meaning they were on both Medicaid and Medicare. They had to cross state lines to get to a preventative care appointment. Because they crossed state lines, Medicaid wouldn't pay for the ride. Because this had happened so frequently, Medicare wouldn't pay for the ride. So they literally called our team and said, what should we do? And we said, this is this is why you contracted with us. This is why you pre-planned for this. You knew that your patients might need rides, that it would be the right thing for them personally, financially, from a health outcome standpoint. And they said, I know you're right, but I'm not going to do it because technically the benefit is not administered this way. And I'm worried the health plan will get mad. 
What happened was that patient had an acute event. So what would have been a $40 ride turned into a thousand dollar ride because they called 911 and had an inpatient stay, which obviously cost thousands of dollars. Wrong thing to do for the patient. Think about that poor patient's very avoidable experience. Think about the dollars to the system. And to me, that's why you need to not just plan for the technology. The technology would have worked in that situation, but all of the touch points around that technology that enabled its successful execution. That's brilliantly said that we should not forget all the players in the journey and how it impacts everyone else in order to give the patient the best experience ever. This brings us to his last question. If you have to share three takeaways for the future of health, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think I think three takeaways are value-based care alone isn't enough. You've got to think about successful execution. Technology alone isn't enough. You've got to think about successful execution. And point solutions are really important, but planning for how you connect them together in a combination of benefit design, operations design, and incorporating all of your key stakeholders, patients, providers, and reimbursers, I think you'll have a successful program. Wonderful, Caitlin. Thank you so much for being a part of Health Forward. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. This was a delightful start to the new year. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Health Forward Podcast, and I'm your host, Smriti Kirbanandi.